And now, here's your host, Alessandra Torresani. Well, Olivia June, welcome to Emotional Support. I am so happy to have you here. And I feel like this is so special because I, you know, your husband is a fan favorite um, episode. I don't know if you know that or if he knows that, but we actually did another release of it over the holiday season because people love that episode so much. And I wanted to just reshare it with a new audience and kind of really bring in awareness behind Pim, which is my husband's favorite mood shoe of all time. I, I, he's never not without it in his pocket. And so I had to talk to the woman behind the operation, the brains, the beauty, like all of this. Olivia, I'm so excited to have you here. I have so many questions to, for you, like in regards to motherhood, um, because you have two beautiful children who are so smart. Um, your son, especially when I, I, last time I saw you in person, you were pregnant. Your son is incredible, by the way. So whatever you're doing, like at that moment, I was like, I need to do what she's doing because it's perfection. But I don't know your true story about how you got into the mental health field. I just know Zach's. How did you become a mental health, you know, advocate? Well, thank you so, so much for the amazing introduction. <laughs> and I'm so amazed. I'm so touched to hear that your husband loves Pim loves. so much because that's, that's truly, that's what we were aiming for, that experience and that, yeah. you know, being that critical partner um, for those times. Uh, so my story, gosh, I mean, it's a lifelong story as most, most folks right. journey with mental health is because, you know, we're born with it, we die with it. And then there's a journey in between. Yes, uh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I actually lost my sister to suicide oh, wow. uh, when I was 11 years old. Wow, and so young. It, yeah, it was a really, she was, um, my half sister, she's a quite a bit older than me. She was 24 at the uh -huh. time, which still is so young to, you know, to lose, Unbelievably lose someone. Young. Very tragic. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so it, it would caused a snowball, really a snowball effect in my life, um, in my family and a huge, huge ripple. And, you know, we didn't actually uh, talk about it being suicide. It wasn't right. actually ever shared with me verbally. I had my suspicions, um, but you know, I was so young, such a child. Um, but I was very, very curious and very investigatory. And yeah. so I went through like all of her everything and read all of the, her notes and journals and kind of created my own, wow. um, uh, deduction. And, but because of this, you know, it being this unspoken thing that it was an accident, she fell off of a balcony when in fact she had jumped from, uh, the 24th floor of the Luxor hotel in Las Vegas. Wow. Um, and so in my mind, I, I, I didn't really process that until much, much later. Of course. Um, and in my family, it was kind of this hidden, hidden secret, um, that no one really talked about. And, um, I very much grew up in a family where, um, you just don't talk about bad things. You yeah. don't talk about unhappy things. You right. don't, you know, smile you look pretty you yeah. um you, you know, push everything under the rug anyone... yeah yeah everything's fine exactly like... just, you sweep it under the under the rug we're all great right everything's wonderful 
Um, I actually even went to school the day I, I learned because I like I was so accustomed to sleeping under the rug. I'm okay. Um, I came home later that day because it was clearly not okay. No. Um, <laughs> but it it really created a a, a a snowball and a ripple in my uh, in my life in my life journey. And uh, for that, you know, there are I'm a person where I always am able to find like the learning and um, in every, every life circumstance. And for me, it was, uh, became a journey of learning about mental health and, um, you know, went going through lots of therapy and ending up getting misdiagnosed with um, ADD and depression, um, having a weird experience with a psychiatrist who was like, well, what kind of medication do you want? I'm like, I don't oh. know. I'm 16. Like, he oh, was like, well, how do you oh. want to feel more energy? Do you want to feel happy? Or do you want to feel more relaxed? And it was like, I am a teenager. I want more energy. I want to be, I want to oh, be pumped. And that's what, so- that's an experience of itself. Having a doctor ask you how you want to feel. Um, I, I never had that option. Yeah. I, I wonder what happened if I had that yeah. option. <laughs> like- well, you know, it's wow. there are good doctors out there and there are bad doctors. Uh, no, and, absolutely. You know, it's a big, big thing you learn about. And the big thing we learn about the healthcare care uh, systems is good oh, yeah. doctors and bad doctors and ones that are. Um, and even as we're seeing, you know, the proliferation of and of access to medication via apps and yeah. startups where you just kind of dial it in and be like you Google the symptoms of whatever medication you want and you can yeah. just rattle them off and um that's what you do if whatever you can get whatever you want at this point. But I'll have um, to be honest you, with you. I mean, even, you know, I, I talked about it. Actually, I do a special uh, like little sub show on on emotional support called Beauty in the Brain with my my closest dearest friend. He's um, a neuroscientist. And so we answer fan questions or, you know, just thoughts that have happened to us. And I had talked about, you know, all of my experiences with therapy and with doctors, right, where I had been diagnosed with bipolar disorder, I'd been properly medicated, but there were therapists that were, you know, fucking with me, like, especially like in other relationships and telling us one thing to do the other thing and just the misinformation and, you know, oh, you should get off of this and and not their place to say like what medication I should and shouldn't Mm -hmm. be on. I mean, it still happens even when you are so aware of, you know, me being so in- involved in this mental health community. I still have experienced that within the past couple months, you know, so it, it, it does happen. Yeah. And that's what's so scary about it. And it's and people, you know, that could be their first person that they go to and think, oh, well, if this person's going to screw me over. Then I guess every doctor is. And then that, there goes the lack of trust. Totally. And and. We need to be able to trust our healthcare providers, but we also need to trust ourselves most right. uh, more than anything and, and, you know, get to know yourself and really, really understand what is going on with you because someone's trying to put you in a box, like, right. you know, doc, a lot of like professionals, there are right. boxes. There's like, if they check enough of them, they can issue the treatment and then on to the next patient. Yep. Days um, done. Yeah. So I'm a big, <laughs> I'm a big believer in, um, becoming your own biggest advocate for your health. Um, so went through, I probably just needed to learn how to like stress manage and anxiety support and right. learn how to process all of this grief. Um, but instead I was put on a, uh, you know, Adderall and Wellbutrin and 
Um, oh my gosh. Just hopped up on medication and the stress was like, I had locked jaw. I had cover, was covered in psoriasis. Oh. I had ulcers. I had all of these things that are like, oh my gosh, <laughs> clearly this person has too much stress and anxiety. Your body's and just showing. Like, yeah. Let's give her muscle relaxants because, and I'm like, I'm as an athlete. And so that obviously didn't work out. So I really got to this point where I was um, in my late teens and going off to college and trying to escape the you know trauma of, of home and and everything and um started abusing my medication and yeah. just checking out you know drinking way too much partying too hard and got to a point where I was like I do not like who I am I don't like this person I don't like this lifestyle this right. is not for me I am not on a good path that I'm proud of and um I came home that summer I packed up everything and decided to uh quit all my medications wow. and which just you know clearly all at should once. do with doctor yeah. supervision but I was just like this is I need to just like be, be a human again yeah um you wanted to and feel I'm sure again because you know, I'm sure you felt completely numb I was yeah I mean I was like very awake because if you're taking a lot of right. Adderall and a lot of Wellbutrin right. like right. you are very wired it's like you know, not a, the best version of yourself. Yeah. Um, I mean, depends on the person, obviously, course, like some people I'm sure might be out there sure. and be able to be the best version of themselves on those medications. It was not the right thing for me. Sure. Um, and so I went on a self-healing journey of um, taking care of my health and, you know, learning how to eat better for myself, um, learning to um, not drink too much right. and, um, you know, learning how to meditate and exercise regularly. And this was a many, many years. This was the journey of my entire 20s. Um, but I did come back to having bouts of depression. Mm. And I, um, it was really cyclical for me. I would always write down in my journal, like when I was experiencing symptoms. and Which is amazing, by the way, that you were able to write it down. I think that that's one of my biggest things that I give advice to people is, always write down, you know, the highs and the lows, whatever you're feeling, because that's the best way for you to be able to literally see the patterns, you know, and see how, how yeah. what the highs and the lows are, where the food, is it food? Is it people that are surrounding you? Is it, you know, your environment, whatever it may be? Well, and also, I, you know, I'm a big believer in putting those details on a calendar. So mm -hmm. you can actually see, because especially as, as women, we have hormones. I mean, right. everyone has hormones, men and women alike, sure. but ours go cycle through, right. um, throughout, uh, our, our cycles and right. through the month. And so coming up those patterns where you start seeing like, oh, I, this is actually all related because that was one of the things that, um, we always think about is like, oh, my hand has an issue or my stomach has an issue or, you know, my jaw has an issue. Not like my human has an issue. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and <laughs> cause it's all one. And, um, so really figuring out what those patterns are uh, and and decided to, I ended up seeing the doctor and they're like, well, let's go on, on um, you know, antidepressants. I was like, I can't do that again because it's not solving what the root cause is. Like, mm. why, why am I experiencing this? Right. Um, and for me, I ended up realizing um, and doing a lot of, a lot of my own research and reading and, um, and coming across uh, 5-HTP and learning about amino acids. And 5-HTP mm. is the amino acid that feeds um, your serotonin system, which right. is real, you know, generally what um, moderates 
feeling happy. And so I was like, well, it seems like pretty low risk, has good side effects, is like regular. And like, these are side effects, but it's all one thing. It's like your serotonin manages sleep, it manages food cravings, it manages your mood. Um, And so I started taking it regularly, just kind of on my own, and started seeing dramatic results. By a month later, I was like, I am not experiencing any of these symptoms at all. I'm not feeling depressed. I'm feeling stable. I'm sleeping consistently eight hours a night. I'm not like shoving pieces of toast in my mouth constantly because of craving these carbohydrates, which, you know, um, is all part of these things and really learning and embarking on a journey of nutrition and supplementation for mental health, because I was able to, after taking it for you know, like six months or maybe a year, I took it every day. Um, and I, you know, I tried taking a little more and it was like, that made me feel sick to my stomach right. or really tired. Um, it was so, all about the balance. Know, up, up and yeah, I was finding that right balance for myself through that personal experimentation and was able to end up being in a really good place and rebalanced. Did you have like a person that, you know, um, like there was a specialist that you had heard of that had had dealt with. I mean, I don't even know how like you could even, fi- or that's me saying this. I don't know how I could even go. Oh, I know. I mean, I know enough about amino acids to be able to do the research and just trust Google. Like, was there someone that you like some specialist that you had heard of, or was this truly like, I'm just gonna put these fingers out and start typing away and start just doing my own research. You know, I was really researching like natural approaches and I did grow up, um, you know, my parents are hippies and I grew up with a book of like homeopathic medicine when we were right, sick, yeah. we'd see a doctor sometimes and we'd, or we'd like look up in the book, um, and do like some kinesiology about yeah. how we're responding to various supplements. Right. So I did was like predisposed to, to that, right. So um, you considering natural right. alternatives, but you know, I was broke in my twenties. I didn't have any money to like see a functional medicine doctor. They don't take health insurance. And that's, um, (laughs) that's definitely was not in my, in my budget. Um, and you know, I was too busy, like trying to get a job and go to Spanish school and, you know, Goldilocks being city to city, um, figuring out my life, which, you know, I think is a really important part of of that time period. Um, and if you don't do it, then you're going to end up doing it later. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then maybe so, you'll be mad that you didn't do it when you were younger. <laughs> yeah. Cause it gets yeah, tiring. It, of, it gets really tiring. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but we have to experiment with our lives to find out what makes us happy. And so that's kind of how I ended up getting into amino acids and, and looking at natural approaches and, and finding success in, in personal experimentation Wow. Um, and wanting to share that learning with friends because you know, I'm a big believer of, of wanting to help other people. Yeah. And when I discover something, you know, sharing that knowledge, um, because it isn't something that, like, you know, you just know how to Google amino right. acids for mental health. Like, right. That's not something that we are really told about. Um, but I really wanted to become an owner of my body and my person. And um, I didn't want to accept that uh, I just needed to be on a bunch of pharmaceuticals for the rest of my life right. uh, in order to live because I knew inherently for myself that my condition was so much was was not was like a hybrid of um, a lot of like not dealing with the pa- needing to deal with that trauma right. um, and needing to balance out my body. And, you know, obviously, everybody knows their bodies differently and everybody, again, is going to have their own journey. But for me, I knew that 
this was what I wanted for myself. Right, right. How does your family, you know, how do they view everything that you've done now so forth and how you're such an advocate for mental health because it was such a secret, you know, your your sister's passing. Like, how how are they reacting to all of it now? You know, it's, um, you know, I think there's been the greatest leap in mental health from generation to generation between the boomers, which, you know, our parents right. to Gen X and millennials um, and our generation. And, you know, they they didn't grow up afforded a lot of the education that we have. Right. I mean, the Internet is huge, huge oh, source yeah. of education and self-advocacy and sharing of ideas. Um, and we've they also had a lot more, um, I think, societal you know, needing to fit in a box where we've it's really pressure, been right. breaking down those, those parts, those components of society over yeah. the last few decades. And, um, you know, thanks to our parents who maybe started being hippies and right. rioting and protesting against the systems. And, yeah. um, and so for them, I think it's been good for them to see, you know, me healing and feeling better yeah. and happy and, and happy to be advocating for that. You know, I think there's elements where, um, it can feel hard because it's, you know, it can feel when, when someone's not in that journey, like, a, a, like someone's judging you for, right. for not getting on board. But my, you know, my parents, um, I actually lost my father a couple years ago. So oh, my mother so is, loves, loves mood shoes. Um, she loves Pim. She's a huge advocate for it. Oh, um, and Pim is not my first business in the mental health space. I actually co-founded or um, started an, uh, Another company called Vina, um, which uh, was about in my deep, deep cause of why I started it, right. treating loneliness because loneliness was my wow. biggest fear um, and the biggest reason why I, um, you know, felt like I lost my sister and a lot of her notes was like how lonely she felt in wow. my mind. It was like if you're lonely, you're um, liable to die uh, of suicide right. um, because. There's just, you can't, you can't go at it alone. And so that was like a big connection in my mind. Um, and, and friends, I always have loved friends more than anything. So yeah. I wanted to build um, and felt like the pain of, of how hard it is when you lose friends or you don't have anyone there to support you. You need those support systems of course, right? beyond your family. You need friend support systems. So I created a platform called Hey Vina, which is a social discovery platform for women to meet new friends. I love uh, function similarly to a dating app. Right. Um, and it's available around the world and with millions of women who are swiping and meeting and messaging and hosting events and making new friends. Um, but that's a critical part of our physical and mental health. It's the bit oh, loneliness is the biggest absolutely. predictor of mortality. And it's not from an emotional level. It's from a physical, actual right. cellular. They've looked at um, people's likelihood of recovering from, you know, cancer or other terminal illnesses. Um, it's actually, you know, a bigger predictor of your lifespan than obesity or, you know, flu or drugs or alcohol or anything. Can I ask you a question? Um, so it's, I, I love, I, I love this idea of, of what you're doing for, for loneliness. I think that loneliness is, um, something that, everyone experienced in COVID. And I think that if you didn't know what it was before, you definitely did during lockdown. But I, mm -hmm. me, myself, and I've, I've spoken to a few moms about this. 
I have the most amazing husband. I'm so blessed. Like I really truly am. He's my best friend more than anything. But I have never felt lonelier in my entire life than I have during this pregnancy. And I have the support Mm, of my mom mm -hmm. and I have the support of people around me, but it doesn't matter. And I don't know if it's because I live with a quote unquote mental illness, right? Because I'm inside my head and I'm dealing with all of that. But it's the most bizarre feeling in the entire world being pregnant because you feel like no one understands around you except when you open up and you talk to other moms But then you're like worried about the judgment of, are they going to think I'm a bad mom that I, you know, at moments of my life, I'm screaming and being like, can someone please just take this baby like and hold it for an hour so I can just have a moment, even though the baby's inside my stomach? Like, is that something you hear from other women, um, you know, in regards to your, your platform where they talk about the loneliness of pregnancy? You know, the, the platform is really designed around helping people get offline and mm. meeting up in, in real life. And so there's not a lot of, there's no public conversations happening on mm. there. I've really stayed away from like any kind of forum conversation because I'm such a huge believer in how important it is to physically spend time with other, other people. There's the energy exchange that you need to be able to touch other people, like yep. high five them, hug them, whatever your comfort level right. Um, but even just standing within a range of six feet of someone, um, an EKG machine can measure a person's energy six feet wow. out from their body, which was like the great irony of the pandemic where we had to stay six yeah. feet apart, um, was like, we, and that energy is, is, is food. It's yeah. nutrients for our, for our beings. Um, but yeah, pregnancy. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's simultaneously, you're more crowded and more alone. And it, like you have another human being literally living inside of your body. Yeah. Um, and so you're like, I am never alone. Yes. And then once they come out of your body, you're also barely ever never alone. alone. <laughs> um, <laughs> they will find you. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's, you know, it's that tricky thing where that with moms, there is that unspoken bond, that shared experience, that uh, complete and utter understanding of, losing your shit. And when you know, you shouldn't, and you're like, I'm losing my shit still. Um, and everyone's like, okay, I get it. Like I've been there, but then it does feel judgy. Um, I personally don't hang out in like online mom communities because it's just, uh, it feels like not a friendly place to me as I've, and I've had friends who have gotten really involved and end up like really having it impact their mental health. Um, cause it can be, I think everyone is, no one wants to feel like they're doing it the wrong way. Right. And so in doing that, everyone is a huge advocate for how they're doing things. Yes. Um, right. And so there becomes this thing where, you know, the most judge when people are being really judgmental of each other and how other people are living or parenting or doing things, it's hugely out of the fact that um, people are worried that they're doing it or differently and that if someone else is doing it differently than the way that they're doing it is not the right way and that's a scary thing to do because nobody wants to mess that up no no Um, no one wants to mess that up and that's what it feels like but we're all messing it up like everyone's messing it perfectly totally and you know I feel like every time I do uh, you know I I kept the pregnancy really hidden until about my third trimester and then I started talking about it even just with you know 
not even, not friends, friends, like close friends, but acquaintances or business partners or stuff. But I, I feel like I've been so protective and so alone. And I wonder if it's, you know, should I have opened up earlier? Maybe then I would have felt more comfortable. But then when you talk about these things and you talk about your experiences with other, you know, moms who have kids already or who are currently pregnant or, you know, whatever, they all feel the same way. And so you then you don't feel alone and you're like, oh my God, I'm so glad because I thought I was losing my marbles over here by myself, you know? Um, and oh, it's yeah. just so, it's just... It's a wild ride, I will say that, you know, <laughs> as you, as it you're really very is. well aware, as you're very well aware. I think it's really interesting because I always wonder what it would be like to be a mother or to be a family member and share news. I, I lost a, a family member to suicide, but I was about 15. And while everyone kind of kept it a secret, it wasn't more of a secret. It was more like we didn't know if it was a drug overdose or if it was a, a suicide attempt. There were, you know, there was no mm -hmm. really distinguished and there were no signs really of anything. As a mother and as someone, you know, who's experienced this from the other side of it, how, like, what advice would you give to other family members out there of how they would talk about it with their, you know, young child and, and, do you share that it is, you know, oh, this is what it is, like, and be completely honest about it? Is there, like, a kid-proof way? Is there a certain age? Like, how would you, how do you suggest approaching it? That is probably one of the hardest questions, I think. For, I mean, I'm sure there are plenty of professional psychologists sure. um, who have really good advice, um, and I am not that. Um, and I do not envy the position my parents were in to tell an 11 year old yeah. and a seven year old that their sister died uh, of suicide. And really, um, I think our perspective of suicide has evolved and or is in an evolving state. Um, I don't know how I would have to handle it at this yeah. point, even when I have a three year old and a 10 month old. Yeah. And I, I don't know if I would even be able to explain it at this point. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there's great resources out there for how to learn how to talk about it. But one of the important things that I think there is to talk about is that suicide is an illness. Like the at the point, like we are designed to live um, as right. human beings. Like everything in our being is here to live and survive. Right. Um, and at the point where the brain starts sending um, abort mission signals we're like we it's you have to die um this is an unhealthy brain and i'm not saying it that a person's brain has um this is like a physical thing that your brain has necessarily right. created i mean in some circumstances it can be misfiring of signals um sure. it could be caused um by trauma it sure. could be caused by you know horrible life circumstances um and which has um created these patterns but like at the end of the day like our brains are supposed to send us all signals to survive at all costs. Right. Right. And so when I think we can start thinking about the fact that a brain is now sending messages that, you know, someone should die, this is, this is illness. This is Absolutely. sickness. This is a, a unhealthy brain. Um, and for whatever cause that, that got it to that point, um, it can be hugely, you know, a huge variety of things from early childhood trauma to ongoing abuse to 
um, you know, just physical illness. And I mean, it can be a million different reasons. So I think having that conversation where, you know, someone doesn't commit suicide, a person isn't actively trying to harm, you know, isn't like they're not committing suicide was like back when it was a crime. And I mean, maybe it's still a crime and it's really unfortunate that we got to that point of thinking, but you know, it's when the law is trying to protect humans to survive. Um, But people die of suicide. People die of um it, it as an illness it's a complete um, illness from my perspective yeah um you know i think people can have uh different perspectives of sure. of it but at the end of the day like it's it's not a true choice um no. it's a choice but it's not like the brain is sending these messages and um you know it's it's really sad when that happens and it's you know heartbreaking Well, and I think that it's so important for people to keep hearing this over and over because, you know, I, I I guess it's, it's so weird for me because I never thought until probably the past like three years really being immersed in this mental health world, you know, because I was living with bipolar disorder and I didn't know anyone who had gone through that. I didn't, it was kind of a, you know, talk about being lonely and being shut out, but I mean, Mm -hmm. I didn't. I didn't think twice about it. And now when I hear people use certain terminology or use certain things like, oh, they committed suicide, I'm like, ugh. Like it really, it, it affects me more than than ever before because when you really think about things and you learn about things, you're like, no, this is an absolute illness. I'm so thankful for for people like you who come on here and share how important it is that saying committing suicide is is wrong. That's not what it is. It is an illness. This is something that's there's that the brain needs needs a little you know TLC at that moment. You know what I mean? Let's not disregard mm-hmm. that person. They're not selfish. They're not a terrible person for what they did. They are they're ill. You know you wouldn't say that about someone with cancer. You know I you wouldn't. So it's it's yeah. it's all one and the same. Cancer situation is where cells are not behaving in their normal way and they're reproducing in a way that's not healthy and is going to take over and kill the body. And at the end of the day, the brain is cells as well. And there are, there's other matter in there. And once it starts malfunctioning, which it is malfunctioning, um, as we are programmed to heal, right. It's really important to acknowledge that. And I think if you're talking about having those hard conversations with family members and in this loss, you know, a person didn't choose to abandon their family and no. to leave them. It's it's talking about it as as the disease and as the malfunction that is happening in a person's brain. And so um, I think that's the way to approach it and really thinking about it scientifically as an, as an illness there. And um, unfortunately, you know, if you've lost someone to that, it's a really important thing to to process right um you know because trauma while we think of them as events and we think of our thoughts we think of them as like this is our spirit mm-hmm. like that's like our soul and like that I think can be very it's hard to differentiate it was like who are you as a personality and right. as your spirit versus like your thoughts and you know the messages sending in your brain like these are chemical at the end of the day a lot of them Um, A lot of them, you know, neurons are wired to deliver information and um, that information is stored. And if we're accessing 
we have a lot of like bad information and trauma gets stored in our body. And there's all of these things that, that happen that changes the chemistry mm-hmm. that changes the neurological pathways that changes the behaviors that changes the thoughts. Yeah, no, absolutely. With PIM now, now you have this incredible mood shoe that's been able to help so many people. And I, and I'm telling you, it, it has helped me, but it has changed my husband's life. I, I truly can't tell you this. Like when he, you know, suffers like a little social anxiety the second he takes something like this, like PIM, it, it literally is a game changer. Being pregnant, I have been told I can't have my, you know, Southern blend iced tea. I've been told that I can't do X, Y, and Z. Like there's all, all these, like, you can't do this. Now with PIM, A, can I take PIM? I, maybe you may not know that if you can or cannot. B, did you when you were pregnant? And C, was there anything that you did to kind of stabilize your mood when you were pregnant and when you were dealing with all of these new different hormones? Yeah. And I think we really have to acknowledge like how strongly those hormones impact like our thoughts, our beliefs, like our feelings. Um, I suffer from horrible anxiety while pregnant. Um, It really is not compatible with my system very well. The the pregnancy hormones, like I actually get, um, I feel so much better once the baby is outside of me. Um, But some people experience the opposite and it's really about like your body's um, hormonal cap- like makeup and tolerance, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. um, where, um, I think we hear a lot more about postpartum depression and anxiety than we do about, um, prenatal, um, which I felt like very alone because I think I definitely experience prenatal depression and anxiety and, uh, figuring out what can I take? What can I do? You're not alone <laughs> in that. I mean, I feel like I, I don't know if it's the Italian in me and the superstition where I was like, oh my God, I can't do this because then something's going to happen to the baby. But that was, that was me. It's like, you know, oh, don't do this. Don't do that. Of the severe anxiety over and over and over and the thoughts, you know what I mean? And the false thoughts, right? It's all just fear. That's just continually going over and over. And I actually got off my medication before I got pregnant. So that added a lot of stress to it too. But you are not yeah. alone. I want you to know in that 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 anxiety of of being, having a baby inside of you, the pre. Oh, thank you. And it's there's a few things I I really did to help combat that. Um, one of them, thanks to our amazing mutual friend Jennifer Missoni, who yeah. is um, a holistic health coach. I shared with her like my feelings, and she um, immediately was like, "Take start taking magnesium glycinate. Yes. Start taking you know." order this, um, take four tabs of it every day, maybe five, like just take a super dose. Um, and I started doing that every day and it changed things hugely for me. Um, getting really, really strong on routines. Mm. Um, I'm not inherently a routine person. Like I don't love them. I don't gravitate to them, but I know more than anything like how good they are for me. And once you have kids on the outside, like routines, you'll see how good they are for kids. Um, It's very, very good for our brains to know exactly what's happening and when and develop that internal cadence of things. And so really setting up my morning rituals to be very specific. I go to bed at the same time every single night. That is so good for our um, makeup in our hormonal makeup, our brain chemistry makeup. 
Um, that way your brain knows when to start switching from serotonin production to melatonin production. I think the optimal time is really 10 p.m. Like 10, like a solid 10 to 6 schedule is like right. amazing right. for the body. And I was a night owl. I would usually went to bed at like 2 o'clock in the morning and slept until like 8 or right. uh, How you are know, you able whatever. to and, change your 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 you know, the rhythm of it all to go to bed early because I'm a night owl as well, like you. And I find myself, I was really tired at certain parts of the the pregnancy where I could fall asleep. But now I'm at the part where I'm like back to the insomnia all over again. Um, yeah. Was there anything that you did to get you to relax the brain? Because I need that help. <laughs> so humans are the only animals that fight sleep. That's I don't know so why we do wild. it. <laughs> it's wild it's really wild like why do we do it like uh, no other animal when they are tired they go to sleep they go to sleep pretty much at the same time they follow the sun yes. it's like very but we've created all of these things like we have electricity we have stare at blue screens like we do yeah. all of these things we like create entire cultures around <laughs> not adhering to normal we're just a mess that's what animal. we are we are animals like we are animals <laughs> yeah we we need to think about our biology and like what's inherent there. Um, once I mean, once your babies are on the outside, um, they wake up early. Like you have no choice. So <laughs> sorry, you're, like, either, like not <laughs> functional. And if you want to stay up late, like cool, it sounds good for you, but it sounds sure. like torture for me. I like my eight hours of sleep. I know I need it because yeah. I become like after um you know scientifically after three nights. Um, with less than six hours or six hours and less of sleep, um, your brain functionality decreases. Oh, I and completely believe I that. I need yeah. my brain. I need like as much brain as my brain will give me right. on any given moment. Right, right. Um, so that, you know, really adhering to that schedule. Like I just, at 9 p.m., I start my wind down rituals. Like I wash my face. I take my yeah. supplements. I, you know, the whole, the whole thing. Go, getting back um, to the writing routine. Writing for 10 minutes before going to sleep. Yeah. yeah. Um, writing for 10 minutes before you go to sleep, just brain dump, wow, um, I love get that. it all out. So it's not there um, and impacting you because that it changes your, your chemistry, all of these things, um, yeah. breathing, um, taking, you know, I would love to say that I'm the kind of person that meditates like, you know, 20 minutes twice a day, but I am not, I don't have the schedule um, for yeah. that. And I'm sure I could make the time because at the end of the day, it's all about priorities. No, but I will um, tell you, but... I am someone that does do transcendental meditation and I do 10 minutes twice a day. I can't go more than that. But I, I have found it with a child inside me, not even outside and like schedules and all that. It's really hard. And it was something that I had asked Jennifer about because Jennifer was the one that actually got me um, involved in doing the transcendental meditation, even though my husband had been doing it for years as well. And actually he was the one that, that introduced Jennifer to it, but I didn't, of course, listen to him, had to listen to a girlfriend, you know, <laughs> never listen to the husband. Um, but it's, it's, you know, she experienced the same thing where she was like, it's really hard to really just let the mind go and like sit in your thoughts. I think that writing at night, I'm going to try that because that that's my problem is I'm sitting at night and I'm thinking of all the things that I have to do, all the things I didn't do, all the negative things that happened to me, you know, uh, failures. What It always seems to be a really heavy part of the night for me when I think about yeah. all the things. So that's actually a great, great, great idea. 
brain dump it. You just got to get it out. You got to get it out of the mind and onto the paper. You can go back to it later. Most of the time you won't even like, maybe yeah. you'll grab the three things you have to do the next day. Sure. Um, but you know, a lot of it is just getting it out of you yeah. um, and out of your brain. Um, so that taking some breaths, I do, you know, just some basic like square breathing. Um, and you know, as a pregnant woman, there's a certain glory and it stays with you. No one tells you or about the side effect of pregnancy where you have to build yourself like a pillow nest in order to fall asleep um, for the rest of your life. Oh God, girl, <laughs> <laughs> it is so hard. It is things. It, it is a pillow nest. Yes, exactly. It's a pillow nest. I I, I like. Yeah. You need like at all sides of you <laughs> need to have that support and like I've laughed because other people have shared this and they're like, I didn't know I'd still be making it 10 years later. And I, I think I'll be that person. Like I can't. Oh my gosh. Um, Is it just kind <laughs> of feel like just because it's like a support system at this point or it feels comfortable? What is Well, then it? you get used to it, I think. Like initially it's like a support for your like right. weird body shape. Yeah. Um, but I think you just get used to it. And I think it becomes like a very calming component. Yeah. Um but the other components are, you know, nutrition is a huge part of this, right. like making sure you're not eating sugar before bed um, is going to make also lead to better night's sleep, right. um, making sure that you are eating on a regular cadence, which, you know, we can be good at or bad at and that we're eating nourishing foods as opposed to, um, you know, things that are fried in yeah. uh, vegetable oils, right. for example, um, right you know, because our bodies can crave because of the different hormones, we can crave these kind of high fat, high sugar stuff, foods, yeah. um, weird stuff. And so it's really, it's making sure that, you know, you don't reach that point where you're craving those things because you're preemptively having and, and having like those nutritious foods accessible to you and eating before you start to panic. I think right. when I was pregnant, I would fully start to like panic and cry if I had no food yeah. and so having those little snacks, you have like little bags of almonds with you or, yeah. you know, whatever it is. Cashews for me. Yes. So yeah. <laughs> Cashews. Everyone has like their, their little things that they like. Dates are really good. Uh -huh. um, good for you. High in fiber and can really satiate like a sweet tooth. Mm -hmm. So should I assume that you are very big on nutrition with your, your kids as well? I really am. I think because I think um, that that's the most important thing for children is nutrition. I I, I I am a firm believer of that. And I'm not even having to feed a child yet, you know, and I just I really truly believe that because my mom was that way. My mom was very I grew up as a vegetarian. I'm not saying that that was like the too. right. Oh, my gosh. How about that? I've never tried chicken. Have you tried chicken? I did. I started eating um, omnivorously around like 10. Oh my gosh. We How... to choose. Did but you... I didn't eat. I ate a steak for the first time in my life in, in 2017. Oh my gosh. Was it, did you, did you like it? It was okay. I tried a keto diet. Um, yeah. and so I went from like mostly vegetarian or vegan, a lot of my life to the polar opposite. Wow. Um, and it was actually really good for my, my system. My body like loved it being craved in ketosis. It. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It needed it. Wow. Yeah. No, I've never, I've never tried anything. And it's, it's funny because now I'm meeting with pediatricians and like doing all this and they're like, yes, you know, but your child may not 
have the same system as you and may not be able to thrive just on vegetables and certain type of, you know, organic proteins like that you eat, like not organic proteins, but vegetable proteins, you know? Um, so it's so interesting, but, but wow, I, I love that for, I love that we have that in common. That's yeah. really fun. Well, I think the trick is the hard thing about um, being, I think like the most popular thing I ever shared on Quora back in the day was about how I was raised like mostly vegan and everyone was like, can vegan kids like live and survive? And my brother and I were both raised mostly vegan <laughs> and he's six foot three and I'm five nine yeah. and like we're like did not like our growth was not stunted. We didn't eat caffeine and sugar. Yeah. Um. So I think actually that led to us like being able to grow. Like my mom was a big advocate on like um, caffeine will stunt your growth. And so I didn't drink caffeine until I was already like five, eight and I was 16. Wow. Um, and so I think it's nutrition. I try not to overly stress about it because I grew up in a very like fully organic, like high food anxiety wow. home where I, when I would go to friends' houses, I'd be like shoving Rice Krispie treats or like You'd be like, I need it, it all. Give it to me. Right. Roll ups like in my pocket because I'd be like, look at this stuff. I got the drugs. Yeah. <laughs> because like at home we had like, you know, the cereal got I got was like Kashi or like back then. I was, remember like, that. You know, complete totally. flavorless, just puffs um, and, uh, and fruit leathers. Um, so I try not to be like too crazy, but I, I do like, I really want my kids to eat the rainbow in each meal. Like I am proud of like the rainbow that I create on their plate. Um, and then you get toddlers and they start suddenly hating everything that you put in front of them or you get lucky. if like, they still like half of the foods that they used to eat, um, before the age of two, um, which I'm pretty lucky. I have a, I have a great, great eater, but, um, suddenly hates like sweet potatoes and, you know, a bunch of other things. Carrots won't eat, won't touch a carrot. (laughs) But, um, kids are so funny. (laughs) They're hilarious. They're hilarious. Um, but there's such, such like healthy food options out there. And I feel like very blessed to be in a position where like I can afford to, um, prioritize like healthy food at all time. And, um, and I keep it really simple. I just like steam, steam veggies and, you know, throw, um, throw like, some chicken or salmon on right some olive oil is there any other stuff that you do for for your kids that you know would be good for other you know family to other you know parents to hear about like maybe something with the amino acids I don't know something unique and special that's that's yours that you've found really works yeah oh that actually takes me back you asked me if you can take him when you're oh, pregnant. Yeah. Can you take it pregnant? Um, so I actually, I asked my OB and I've talked to our nutritionist that we consult with as well as our chief medical officer. Um, I've taken it through both of my pregnancy. I have very like chill, good sleeper kids. Um, but I also, they both, they all had the same advice was don't take it every single day because if you know, you can take it like it's better than taking a Xanax for sure. sure. Um, it's better than suffering horrible anxiety. Sure. Absolutely. Um, and it works and, you know, there isn't any like major concerns there. I am a huge believer of like using your best judgment in your own health though. Um, so like, absolutely, you know, you know, your body. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also the kind of pregnant person that's like, I'll eat some like high quality sushi. Like, right. Right. Don't, I think it's okay. But I talked to my doctor (laughs) about it and everyone's doctors their own things. Um, I will 
microwave some deli meat before I put it in a sandwich. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> you know, with PIM, you can, you can take it when you're pregnant. I, we have people who will give it to their kids, um, like usually a half or a, a quarter of a, of a, um, chew. I don't give it to my kids. I don't, um, they're pretty relaxed. I think one of the biggest things and most important things I did for their, their health and mental well-being is sleep schedules. Um, and really being a stickler for sleep. The big thing I noticed is underslept kids were like very, had low attention, were right. super hyperactive, like, you know, their body's getting pumped with hormones to stay awake, like adrenaline and cortisol and, you know, um, epinephrine. And yeah. so once they're overtired, it starts to be like, yeah. I gotta go, I gotta go, I gotta move, I gotta go. Um, and that's actually a signal that your child is beyond exhausted. Right. Um, right. And so learning about actual sleep, sleep skills and cues that are so subtle that we had no idea, uh, like staring off into the distance for, you know, a longer period of time or not making as much eye contact. Those are signals that, you know, kids are tired. Um, I don't give a lot of supplements to kids. One of, you know, they do focus on amino acid com- like um, profiles. There's a lot of amino acids available in uh, breast milk and then they put them in, in formula. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, tryptophan is something like you talk about quite a bit about because it helps relax and helps you sleep. And right. it does exist in breast milk. And um, so it isn't, it, you know, required ingredient in baby formula too, um, as an example of an amino acid. Um, so it's, it's, um, and tryptophan actually helps your body produce melatonin. Right. Um, so it's actually better if you are having sleep troubles to be taking a tryptophan supplement as opposed to a melatonin, melatonin supplement. Interesting. Um, but it, you know, melatonin can give a lot of people nightmares and melatonin like actually does the weird. complete opposite effect for me. It keeps me awake. It gives me anxiety. I wake up in night sweats. <laughs> like I am not a melatonin person, but, but for some people it <laughs> works like a dream, you know, it's, but like we've said, you know, this whole episode, like do what's best for your body. And I think that, you know, your body, you know, at this point, and if you don't, you know, well, listen to your body because it's talking Experiment. to you. Yeah. Like start experimenting with things like yeah. notice, start acknowledging, I think slowing down and noticing, right. you know, how things impact you. And it can be very hard to do that because we're all so, busy these days. And if you're not busy with someone else's demands, we keep ourselves very, very busy because um, I think we're pretty terrified as a society of not being busy. Right. Right. Um, Yeah, exactly. So you can unbusy yourself to just notice who you are and what's happening in your body. Like maybe you're, maybe you don't even notice, like for me, I didn't notice that I was so stressed and anxiety because it was very physical to me in the point where like I started to acknowledge it um mentally it was like way too late down it was like it was pretty far down the the path where it was like neck and shoulder tension for me like I'd find my hand holding my hand in a fist wow um and I wouldn't even realize I was like sitting there in my hands like in this fist I'm like that's not a normal thing it's you know, your position of your body when you're sleeping, like how curled up in a ball are you is often a signal of like how stressed you might feel. Um, yeah. So and it's little things these little like this. Signals. Yeah. And it's, and, and now that I'm thinking of it, I'm like, wow, I was really curled up in a ball last night. I wonder if that means. 
I mean, pregnancy but is I like a whole stressed. different story. No, like your I, body's I, doing all kinds of things. No, I, I definitely, I've, I've felt the stress. It's definitely been lots of, you know, it's been a roller coaster, is what I'll say of emotions, yeah. you know, um, with with the pregnancy for sure. Well, what's next with Pim? What's what what can everyone look forward to? Well, something we're really focusing on right now is expanding, um, expanding some of these product offerings. Um, we are releasing an everyday brain health multi uh, vitamin. Great. We are um, releasing some magnesium for mental health, like an actual stack of the best magnesiums for your mental health. Um, we are releasing fish oils that um, sustainable fish oils that are specifically for mental health um, support. And we are also releasing um, some uh psychobiotics which is probiotics that support serotonin production oh wow Um, i think that's something we talk a lot about is like the brain gut connection and like if you think about it is like your gut is the receiving zone for all nutrients for your body including your brain so it's all connected your gut is connected to the functionality of every system in your body um and so getting a healthy gut and these um probiotics particularly help with serotonin production and synthesis. Um, so that way you can actually be um, digesting nutrients in a better way to support um, brain functionality. Wow. Um, and we are excited to be releasing a, um, a vegan sour berry flavor of our mood chews. Yum. <laughs> yes. It's really, it's really Really exciting. The sour berry flavor is really, really delicious. I love sour berry anything. So so this is going to be a problem. (laughs) I'm going to be like eating like a hundred at once. And you're going to be like, no, 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 Alice, stop that. (laughs) It'll just make you really tired. I mean, the great thing about um, these, you know, taking supplements to support mental health and like always talk talk to your doctor if you take other medications because there can be interactions. Sure. Is that it's, it's very easy to test on yourself and figure out what's making you feel good, what's making you feel bad, um, and very low risk. And, you know, in comparison to like pharmaceuticals of grade, um, stuff, whereas this can, um, be something where you can really explore and learn what works for you, um, and giving yourself adequate time to, um, really see what's working. Right. Um, so we really want to build that, that brain health foundation with our, our next, um, release of products. Um, so we're really excited about that. So exciting. Congratulations. I can't wait to try all of these. I'm like, everything sounds so good. And I'm just, magnesium has been something that has been, brought up this week specifically, probably 10 different times from 10 different people. And I think that this is the universe saying to me, magnesium is going to be the answer to you, um, to your problem. So I can't it's wait. It's really good for pregnancy. Yeah. I, I, and I haven't even tried it. I haven't even used it or anything. And so I think that this was my, my sign. Olivia, I'm going to ask you my final question that I ask everyone. Um, what is your emotional support? Ooh, my, it's, you know, my support system of, of people. I, you know, I, I, I can't support, I can't really be my best self without, um, the amazing people I have in my life from close friends to my incredible husband and business partner and, uh, co-parent 
so that's that's my support system. Um, those are my people. Oh, I love that. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show.